Welcome to Speak with Ibuko. This is a podcast where guests can share their stories and delve into how they came through their journey in life, who and what they encountered along the way, and where they are now. The Decade series continues where guests will share their recollections of decades they have lived and the one they are in now. Welcome to Decades with Ibukun. I have a lovely guest here that I'm going to go right to and ask her, do you want to stay anonymous or are you going to give us your first name? Hi, Ibukun. Yes, I am happy to give you my first name. My name is Lisa. Brilliant. Hello, Lisa. Hello. Uh, Could you share your age so we know how many decades we're going to go through? I am 55. Okay, so six decades to go through. Yes. You're, you're halfway through your sixth decade. And it's a yeah. lovely age, 55. Yes. Well-rounded. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do? Um, I'm, a, I'm self-employed. So I am an administrator uh, in the city for a mortgage broker. And how would you describe yourself? Um, As a person. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we, we've established that. Good. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm a mother of teenagers. I am a sister. Um, I have one brother. My parents have passed, um, but I still consider myself a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Christian and love God mm-hmm. first and foremost. Um, and I believe that for most of my life, I have been a positive person okay. much more. Yeah. So, um, I like to, uh, support people and their dreams. I love to encourage people. Um, so yeah, I, do, I don't know what more to say. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to the more definitely as we go through the decades. So you've shared your 55 years old. So yeah. you're in your sixth decade. Let's start yes. with your first. So okay. between the ages of zero and 10, right. what, what's your earliest memory, that retained memory that you have? Yeah, my, my earliest memory, I think I was about two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have been a little bit younger, but I remember um, sitting on my dad's shoulders as we were walking through a zoo and okay. looking at different animals. So that is my actual first memory. Hmm. Um, but I was adopted into my family. So, um, I was adopted from about six weeks old and don't have really too much information on my biological parents. Um, so my mom and dad raised me, um, and they had been waiting for some time to adopt a child. Hmm. So they had wanted a boy first, but the lady had phoned them and she had said, I know you've been waiting for a boy, but we have this girl, this lovely, beautiful little baby girl. And it'd be really great if you guys could just come and have a look and see what you think. Mm-hmm. And they did. And it was, it was a no brainer. I think it was like going to see a puppy, you know, it's like <laughs> going to see a puppy. <laughs> That's an interesting way to describe adoption. <laughs> <laughs> then that's an interesting way. Why would you describe it that way? Because, you know, 
I think babies and puppies have a lot in common. They're just so cute. Mm -hmm. They're really hard to resist, you know? And I think if you're in the market for a puppy or if you're looking to, for a baby and adoption is one of your options, it's going to be difficult, even though you're adamant you want a boy. If you've got a little baby girl in front of you, mm. you're not going to be able to walk away. You know, it's, I just, I don't see it happening. So they couldn't resist you, obviously, Lisa. Clearly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you said earlier that they've passed uh, and uh, how, what were your earliest memories of what they were like as parents in that decade? Um, yeah, they were, my mom was a stay at home mom. And so she was, you know, she, she cooked all of our meals. She cleaned the house. She took me to school. She took me to all of my doctor's appointments. My dad would go to work and, you know, come home at the end of the day. Um, I did also, for a lot of my childhood before starting school, spent a lot of time on my grandfather's ranch. My grandparents had a ranch okay. um, where I had horses. Um, it was very difficult for me to go home. I never mm. wanted to go home. I always wanted to stay at the ranch. There was always so much to do there. And my grandfather had lots of animals. We had about three or four dogs and about half a dozen horses and cattle and just anything and everything, chickens, you name it, we had it. Um, so it was, it was very exciting, you know, being on the ranch. Um, so I remember waking up really early with my grandfather about 4 a.m. And we would go out to feed all of the animals, all of the livestock. And when we would come back in, my grandmother would be up and she'd be making breakfast and cooking breakfast. So we'd sit there together, my grandfather and I, and I'd sit on his lap and he'd share his cup of coffee with me. Mm. And um, we'd have breakfast together and then he would go off to work and I would go back to bed. So that was kind of like <laughs> our little routine. It was such a great experience. Oh, so your grandfather owned a ranch, but he also had work as well? Well, he worked the fields. Ah. Of, the, of the ranch, yeah, and had okay. obviously people as well that he employed to work in the fields as well. Okay. So it it was constant. It was it was it was a very demanding um, responsibility. You know, there was always something to do. So, and through the eyes of a child, you found that exciting. Yeah, I loved it. I loved um, just walking around the land. I don't as I as I grew up in doing it I didn't know anything else if that you know that that was my normal so you know to me everybody had you know I don't know a hundred chickens everyone had you know <laughs> horses and cattle and you know my I remember one time I was walking with my grandfather and we came across a snake mm. and it was on our land and my grandfather literally just picked it up by the by the back end of it and swung it just swung it and then threw it against the fence and it wow. died. But I just, you know, he was such a brave man. He was fearless. Mm. He was, I, I was really impressed by him. He was, you know, he meant a lot to me. He was, he, he um, was a good role model mm. and uh, I just loved being in his present. He was a, he was a good man, a really good man. Amen. And it, it just, um, 
you know, whenever we'd go to the auctions and we'd come home with maybe some baby goats or something mm. and I'd be up with him and I'd be feeding them with those huge bottles, you know, and, mm. and it would, it was sort of like a tug of war at the end when they were empty and the goats wouldn't want to let go. You know, <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> I was tiny. So to try and pull that, you know. You were fighting with a goat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's interesting, the memories that endure, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Our listeners will be able to tell from your accent uh, yeah. that you are from somewhere um, in North America. We care to yeah. share. Yep, where, I'm from California. Oh, yep, okay. California. Yeah. Okay. Monterey uh, County. Uh, what, what, Orange County, you said? No, Monterey. Monterey County. Monterey. Monterey yeah, like County. Coast. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And with regards to your parents, because you've mentioned your grandfather's ranch. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Did you live on his ranch? I, this is kind of a blur for me because it feels like I did. Um, okay. But I don't, I, to be fair, I don't recall my parents sleeping there as much as I did. So I'm going to say no. Okay. But I think I spent a lot of weekends there and I know that my parents spent weekends there as well. Um, because my father used to break horses. Mm -hmm. So he would get on horses that we purchased that were wild and he would break them. If, do you understand that term? I don't know. Yes, but, but yeah. explain it for the listeners that might not understand what breaking a horse um, means. Basically it's a horse that's never been ridden by a human person. So they're not used to something being on their back as heavy um, as, as a human being. And also the idea of someone sort of steering them along and controlling their direction of where they're to go. Mm -hmm. So to use them as, you know, as someone who carries an individual to go horseback riding, um, my father is someone who would do that. And it, it took a lot of time. And I, and I believe that's why I, I thought that we did live there. Um, okay. Because we were there probably every weekend. Um, you know, the, the ranch was quite demanding for all of the adults. I had a great time. You know, oh, I, I was a kid. I had Fighting with a goat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd get up at four and I'd go back to sleep after breakfast. You know, it was a great life. And then get up and do what I wanted later. Um, uh, but I think um, for my dad, it was, he enjoyed that to be honest, I, he loved, you know, getting on a, on a horse and it, mm. and he would, he would love the, the idea of wondering how long he was going to be able to stay on, you know, when he was first starting to break the horse in. Mm. Um, and he would be thrown so many times, um, that I grew up thinking that chiropractors were amazing because, you know, they could help my dad start walking again. Cause my dad would just, you know, he would get thrown and get up and get back on and get thrown and get, you know, get up and get back on again. So it was really impressive. He used to take some really serious beatings to where he would, he'd be crawling the next mm. day. And, and um, what did that make you feel? Um, as a, as a child, seeing my dad in so much pain, it was concerning and a bit fearful. Mm. Uh, and we would have someone come to the house like I said, he, he, he saw, he would see a chiropractor who would come and, and do some manipulation and massage on him. Mm. And he would then, I would say within 24 to 48 hours, he'd be walking again and he'd be new. He'd be brand new. And I always found that amazing. So 
once we went through it a few times, it wasn't as fearful. Mm -hmm. And I never always was around when he was actually breaking the horses because that would be boring for me to sit there and just see him doing that, you know? And as a child, you want to go off and explore. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was so blessed in the sense that if I got hungry, I would just go to the garden where strawberries were, you know, whatever I wanted to eat, raspberry, Mm. whatever. I would just go to the garden and pick food and eat it. Mm. I'd get in trouble later because I wouldn't have my dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I would just go put something and and I never washed it. You know, I just eat it. (laughs) (laughs) But here you are. Here you are. It it, it was, it all worked out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what were your early memories of your mom? Um, My mom, I always felt that my mom was very elegant Mm. and, um, she was an amazing housekeeper. Like she kept the house clean and tidy and, and she loved being a mom. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe that when they were able to adopt me, it gave her purpose. And I, I believe that she really felt that they had a family and a home now. And she was really happy to play that role and be that. She loved being a wife. She loved being a mother. Um, and I didn't really appreciate it until I became a mom, really, you know, what she did. Um, she had so much love for everything that she did for all of us. And she was also very strong, very strong. Um, I was brought up in a Catholic household, so we would always go to church on a Sunday. And, you know, it was part of my growing up that I would go to in, in the Catholic um, environment, what we call, you know, like kids church or something. It's, Mm. they call it catechism. So we would go through learning about Jesus and the Bible and things on a, on a Sunday through catechism. And then we would have little, I guess, sort of rituals into the next step of our, our journey, Mm. um, as like a a first communion. Um, and then you have a confirmation type thing. Um, obviously processes of, of getting a child to become confirmed in the Catholic church. Yeah. Yeah. I was baptized as a baby because that was something that you did, you know, Mm. with, with Catholicism. Mm. Um, and I think that my mom, she was as much as she was very loving, she was also very strict and she, she had, she was the one who laid down the rules of the house, Mm. if that makes sense, you know, but she was always the go-to. I mean, she did everything. She, you know, again, you don't realize it. She was, you know, the mom's taxi. She was the one who made sure my uniforms were all set and ready for Mm -hmm. anything that I was doing. Because I was always, my parents were great at always offering me anything and everything I wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I took piano lessons. I took tap dancing. I did ballet. I did horseback riding. I did, you know, anything that I suddenly thought, oh, I'd like to do that. I would do. Mm -hmm. And I was also, I guess, something called bluebirds, which is kind of like guides here. So, you know, that that also required a uniform and that required also selling cookies door to door and, you know, just different things. Mm. So she was always really supportive and really, she was great with birthday parties as well. Adults and children. I mean, I I had amazing birthday parties and, you know, she set, she set a, a high level Mm. Um, you know, for me to think, okay, this is what it's like to be a mom. This is what you've got to do type of thing. So it was really good. Really good. Um, 
yeah, so that, you know, first 10 years was definitely great. I had a really good childhood. Brilliant. Follow us on Instagram at Speak Podcast, and you will find each guest has an interesting fact or picture to share with you. Let's get back to the interview. And you mentioned your sister. So where's your brother oh my- in your decades? Yeah, I don't have a sister. Sorry. My brother came um, when I was six. And this is really funny because he, he's also adopted. Mm. Um, and it, it's, it's really funny because I remember my mom telling me probably about the age of four that I was adopted mm. and trying to grasp that. I was really, it, it made me sad mm. because I didn't understand why my biological mom and dad didn't want to keep me. So I didn't understand that. And so she was really good at explaining it. And she, her whole idea behind it, or my parents' idea behind telling me, was so that they were concerned that somebody else would tell me, maybe while I was at school. Not that anybody would know. But they just thought if we tell me, you know, told me then, mm-hmm. then it's, it's kind of out of the way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> um, so they told me when I was about four, just barely getting ready to start school. So when I was six is when my brother was mm-hmm. adopted. And before, before I guess we were given the green light to adopt my brother, they had someone come and, you know, talk to my parents and interview me and ask mm-hmm. me all sorts of questions. And they said to me, they said, so Lisa, you know, are you excited about, you know, having a, a baby brother? Mm-hmm. And I said, no. <laughs> She was like, oh dear. And the lady who was talking to me said, no, no, it's all right. She said, so why are you not, why are you not excited about it? Having a baby brother? Mm. And I said, because then that means I won't get all of the attention anymore. I'll have to share Such an honest answer. (laughs) And that's what they said that, you know, that's what the lady said to my parents. Don't worry about it. She's honest. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you can work with that, you know. (laughs) There was a glimmer of hope there <laughs> with a reason. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So when your brother came, what was yeah. your initial interaction with him? And how old was he when he came into the family? He was, he was again, an infant. So I would yeah. say probably between four and six weeks old as well. Mm. Like, so the same age that I was when I was adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, a tiny baby. Um, and I was really proud, you know, I, I was as, as a child, I was really proud and, and I loved helping probably a little bit too much, you know, like, like my mom would say, you know, Lisa, no, let me do that. That's okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, I really wanted to be in, you know, all hands on and, and, and probably just looked at him as like a doll, you know, kind of like, you know, this is, <laughs> this is because I had a cat that I would dress up. I had like a little baby carriage that I would put my cat in and I would, you know, go up and down the road. So I I think I sort of wanted to just sort of move that into my my brother's position, you know, (laughs) it was his turn. (laughs) It was his turn to be dressed up and put in a a cup and be walked up and down the road. Oh, so, so you loved him is what I can hear coming through. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
and there's a dynamic change in, in the family. So your concern was the attention you would get. Did that change? Um, it probably did, but not enough to where I'm scarred. You know, <laughs> not enough to where, you know, I was, I was bothered about it. I think everything just kind of fell into place, mm. you know, and, and um, I, I mean, cause it, it just, it was, it was great having another sibling, having a brother. Um, the only time I, I'd have to say uh, that it was a little bit awkward was when I was, when I got older mm. and, you know, could, could start driving. And there's like, a, there's six years between us as well. So, you know, in that sense, it became a little bit awkward because our lives were going not in different directions, but, you know, when I was 16 and he was 10, there's such a big gap. And yeah. it, it was sort of like we were living our lives under the same roof, but sort of separately, if that makes sense. We were never that we were never at the same school together. Mm. So I found that hard. I would have really liked to have done that, you know, been at the same school with him. At the same um, time. But we'll go yeah. through that in your second decade yeah. because yes, that, that sounds like an interesting relationship dynamic to explore. Yeah. So what, how would you uh, describe yourself as a child? You've, you've said you had an idyllic childhood. What sort yeah, of child was, were you? Um, I think I was a fairly creative child. I think I had a very um, vivid imagination. Um, there were some things in, in my childhood that were a little bit concerning, even for myself. And it isn't something that I share very often. So hopefully that's okay to share here. Um, so um, when I was very young, I really had the feeling that I could sense um, like other spirits and things like that. Um, and I didn't like it. It, it, it uh, made me a little bit fearful. So that was something that I was, I didn't like to play very often by myself. And when I say by myself, I mean just on my own without a pet because at the ranch, that's one of the things I loved is that I was with animals mm. all the time. I always mm. had dogs with me or I had my horses with me. So I didn't feel alone, but if mm. I was playing alone, um, there would be a little bit of a sense of fear. And mm. I don't know if that was just an overactive imagination or there were, there were times when I felt that it was more than that even even as a child um but i think apart from that it was for the most part i'm trying to think sorry i'm i'm, I'm take your time taking right pauses because i'm trying to look back and say you know for the most part i was a good kid i was active i enjoyed school uh i enjoyed playing with friends in our neighborhood um and doing all the normal all the normal things that you know that you do as as a child. I enjoyed um, all of my classes at school. I participated in all the subjects. Um, I don't really remember. I'm trying to think of something naughty that I would have done. You know, you don't have to if you weren't naughty. <laughs> Apart from eating food off the garden and fighting yeah, yeah. with adults, I, I don't know. How you could have been naughty? <laughs> From the sounds of you, you were you you were a temperate child. Um, but but um, what you've mentioned in terms of it being a fear, yeah. Later on in life, were you able to address it? Um. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um. I 
I did a lot of praying mm. um, in regards to that. It it was something that even with my mom, I think I, I found it, you know, I think that was one of the, I found it really difficult to go to sleep at night. And I was a child who slept in my cot until I was six. I was, you know, I was, I wasn't a very big child and I'm not even a, a tall adult. So, you know, mm. I stayed in that cot until I was six. And, and I think because I felt protected in it, like I couldn't see in my room, mm -hmm. like when the lights were out and I didn't want to be able to see shadows. There was, there was real, you know, genuine fear there and concern um, that I had within me. And it didn't get dealt with until I was about 14 um, is, is when it really sort of came to a head. And yeah. So there's a bit to talk about in your second decade then. Yeah. Okay. So um, I ask this question of my guests, looking back on that decade, so between zero and 10 years old. Yeah. With the perspective of an adult, is there yeah. anything you now view differently about that time? Um, there that I view differently. I think talking about, I mean, one of the things that I haven't mentioned, and this is, this is a bit dark and I don't, I don't want it to come across that way. Um, but when I was young, I would say probably about three years old, mm -hmm. I was molested by my uncle. Mm -hmm. And it was something that can, that happened regularly whenever we were at the ranch. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't think about it very often. And it, it was something that I actually forgot about and mm -hmm. never said anything to my parents until I became much older. Um, and I think that even though that occurred, it didn't take away from the life that I had as a child, if that makes sense. Mm. I still had a, a somehow, maybe it's just survival. I was able to put that in a box, separate it maybe from, you know, the rest of my childhood. Mm. I knew that it was wrong. I I don't know that I understood it at the time. I don't know that I understood that it was wrong. I only say that because that's what I was told by the person mm. who was doing that. And, you know, basically I was told not to say anything. Mm. Um, and when you're that young, you believe whatever threat they might say, you know, whatever they said. And I think, um, so when I look back from an adult, an adult you know, perception i think that's a shame that that happened mm. but i wouldn't want that i don't want that to sort of take away from all of the happiness and the enjoyment i had as a child at that particular time i think it was such a huge blessing to grow up with so much land mm. and mm. so much freedom um, and to just have a different perspective on life, if that mm -hmm. makes, I mean, my grandfather worked hard and that's something that I see now as an adult, you know? Mm. Um, and I think that's what kept him going. You know, he didn't, nobody wanted the ranch mm. when he got mm. older because it was a lot of work. And my father didn't, 
it was as much as he loved doing what he did and helping on the weekends with building fences and, you know, getting more livestock and breaking horses and all the rest of it. Mm. He wouldn't have wanted that lifestyle. Um, he was an accounts manager. He worked in a company and, you know, he didn't, it, he, it wasn't in him to do that. And it wasn't in any, any other family members. So it was a real shame when I think my grandfather turned about 70, 75, and it was kind of like, he just couldn't do it anymore. And it had to come to a stop, but he worked hard, but he loved what he did. And I think that just from that perspective, I'm so grateful to have had that kind of um, childhood where I had, you know, I was just exposed to so, like I said, just, so much land so many different types of animals i remember taking it a, a, like a um it was like an exam mm -hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't on anything particular it was an exam to see what you had sort of come across in your life and basically uh, oh it was kind of one of those exams that you take to see what you'd be good at like what sort of oh what the predict yeah you'll be a yeah. doctor or something yeah, along those lines like that yeah okay and i found it really funny that it asked if you had ever seen a chicken like in real life and i i really always found that it stuck with me that mm. you know that was a question because i thought well surely everyone's seen a chicken because i grew up with them so it wasn't you'll be surprised unusual. lisa <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Some see exactly. it on their plates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whilst others see it live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They think they come from the grocery store, you know. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you so much for sharing with us your first decade, Lisa. And yeah. thank you, listeners, for listening to Lisa's first decade. Please join us for the second. Thank you for listening. All of us have a story to share. You can contact us at info at thespeakpodcast.com or learn more about this podcast at www.thespeakpodcast.com. I hope to welcome you on the next episode.